Yes, yes, kind sir. Hello. Hello. All right. Good morning, good people. How are you out there? This is Dwayne. I hope that this finds you well, blessed, and in your right mind. Welcome to the podcast. I want to first thank you for choosing to subscribe to this podcast. I also want to thank my sponsors. Thank you so much for believing in the content of this podcast. Today is a very, very special day. It is 15 a.m. here on the East Coast overcast. Yesterday was 90 degrees uh, here. Uh, in October, but today is a little bit overcast, uh, getting, uh, you know, the weather's getting a little folly, if <laughs> we could say that. But today is very special. Uh, today I have with me a very, very uh, distinguished man. Uh, without this man, I tell you, I really don't know where I would be in my life. So I want to take a moment to just give you a little bit of uh, uh, background here. So uh, in the seventh grade, I was blessed to be introduced to a tremendous man. His name, uh, I called him Mr. Melvin. These days he goes by David Melvin. Uh, uh, he is a tremendous, tremendous educator, mentor, speaker. He has traveled the world mentoring young men and pushing them to their fullest potential in every way, shape and form. And I am forever grateful to this man. So I just want to say that in seventh grade, uh, I was I was kind of, you know, bred to be a leader, I think, uh, even before I got in the seventh grade. But I was always vo voted class president and things like that. But I got to meet Mr. Melvin in the seventh grade. And this was the first man to ever speak over me and speak greatness into my life. Let me just say that one more time so you understand what I'm saying. He was the first man to ever speak over me and speak greatness into my life. And for that, I am forever, ever grateful and indebted because it takes somebody to see something special in you to bring something more out of you than you even thought possible. So today I want to introduce you to Mr. David Melvin. Mr. Melvin, how are you today, kind sir? Great morning to you, Dwayne. It is a great day. I thank you for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. It is very humbling. And yet at the same time, I'm very proud to know that you are the man that you are. So I am I accomplished a great feat, which was to continue to make sure that people like you do great things. Because I saw it in you when you were in the seventh grade. Yes, sir. Well, let's get right into it, good people. I, I want to just tell you, we lost contact for, <laughs> I want to say maybe almost, maybe, maybe 20 or 30 years, I would say. And um, just so happened that... Uh, Many of you may not know, maybe some of you do, but over the past 25 years, I've been able to do uh, Broadway shows. And it's been a tremendous, tremendous part of my life. I didn't know that this door was going to open for me, but it opened and I kind of walked through uh, having this extreme faith that I was taught. Uh, I happened to learn from Mr. Melvin uh, the power of what leadership is, what leadership really, really means. He really embedded that in me, and I'm so grateful for it, and it's taken me places. Just so happened that I wind up doing this, this is Broadway thing, and it was only because of my foundation and my preparation, and this man, again, was one of the first to do that. So I want to just get right into it, Mr. Mel. So the first question that I want to ask you today is that dealing um, in the education system the way that you have for so many years, uh, I grew up between Irvington and Newark, as you know, and the dropout rate sometimes for a lot of young black men is it's high. 
it's a high dropout rate. Now, there are many factors that come into that. There's one, I think, the gang life situation that does come up for some of the young black boys. It seems as if the rate is very, very high between uh, black boys and black girls. What are your, some of your thoughts about what the dropout rate is and why some of that might happen uh, in, in some of the inner cities that you see across the country? Well, I think that uh, what I see a lot of times is that they're not being able to be reached, whether it's from the home, whether it's from the school or wherever they are. No, no one's reaching a lot of these young people. Yes, a lot of them are. And we still have a lot to do. And uh, I think that when we begin to look at the core, a lot of young people are have been miseducated and because of miseducation, the frustration sets in and then they get frustrated with they can't do their work and then they become disruptive in the classroom and then they, they lose interest. And it's all because in the very beginning, the foundation, reading, uh, basic math, third and fourth grade, uh, you give them that basic uh, information that carries them through the rest of their time at school and they just need people that will listen to them and that will make them want to do better and encourage them to be better. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting because in Irvington and Newark specifically, you know, um, I bring up these names and, I, and I'm and i not, you know, uh, pushing anything here at all. Uh, you know, the Bloods and the Crips are pretty, pretty heavy and they know how to recruit. They know how to infiltrate and take over. They know the right words to say uh, for some of these uh, young boys who are seeking this word that I use as power. And a lot of these young boys, they feel powerful when they have a weapon in their hand. And they've not yet really understood totally the powerful part, the most powerful part of their, of their body, which is their brain. And the power of books, the power of the mind and the power to overcome. What do you think that we could do as you know, educators, people, even you know, fathers, uh, young men to, you know, get back some of our boys? What do you think we can do? Well, there's one very important thing that we have to remember. These young brothers want to feel accepted. They want to be a part of something. And they want to feel like their perception of what a family is. And in their brain, a family is someone that cares about them, someone that looks out for them, someone's got their back. And so, yeah, it becomes a, uh, a, a power struggle trying to figure out where do I belong? And if I can fit in here and they accept me and, and I and I prove myself and I've got, you know, I've got back, I've got people that love me. And that's what they want. Some of them aren't getting it from the home. Some of them aren't getting, you know, fear uh, has a, a powerful uh, effect on people. And a lot of people are scared of young people because they don't understand. And what they don't understand, they fear. And when they and some people choose not to understand. They choose to turn their back, or they choose not to. And these young people are still crying out for love, for attention, and to do better. I, I believe that they can debate that if they want to, but that's what it's that that's what I hear in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 
I know a little bit about you, sir, <laughs> and I know that you have been an educator for over 48 years, which is an amazing, amazing thing. You are a gift to the world. Would you give the good people just a little bit about, about your background, what you've been doing, how you've been really reaching young people and really turning their lives around? Uh, can you give a little bit about that, please? Sure. My existence on this earth and the gift that the universe allowed me to be able to give to others was my love for children. I love children. I, I believe that children are our greatest natural resource. And as an educator, it is important to me and it is, it is part of my life ministry ongoing, never stopping, to always let young people know that they are great, to give them guidance, to give them encouragement, to uplift them and to make them feel good about who they are, right where they are, and then from there move forward. And it's been my life, uh, my life's pleasure. It is not something that I, now somebody said to me, said, man, you got to be crazy. Yeah, if you want to say I am, that's fine. But I love what I do. I love children. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And it has always been my uh, deepest desire to make sure that any child that I come in contact with gets something good and, and does better than what they were doing. Because it's always my uh, desire that whomever walks into my space walks away feeling better than when they approached me. Yes, sir. Now, one thing that I know about you uh, is that your mindset is just an incredible one. It's always been ever since I've met you. Mindset <laughs> is so, so very important. Uh, many of you just don't know, but this man inspired me in so many ways. Uh, Mr. Melvin actually used to drive me to school because I lived almost around the corner from him uh, in Irvington. So I would ride with his wife and his son, Sean, in the car. Sean was a baby, baby then. I remember him. Uh, such a, uh, you know, uh, uh, energetic kid. I remember him. And um, but Mr. Mel, he used to set it up, right? We used to uh, ride in the car and he would pump commission. And commissioned is this gospel group that would just have these positive messages. And I would be ready for my day because of the way he set it up it was the mindset you know approach your day uh with with confidence and it's something that i've taken with me a lot of schools now are adopting these things where they start off either with a morning meeting or they're starting off with some type of joyous uh celebration to get the kids in the mindset that they're ready to tackle their day that they're ready to attack the work to become better what are some of your thoughts about mindset well i believe that when you put your foot your feet on the floor in the morning however you perceive that day to be that's the day you're going to have some people wake up and say oh god it's monday it's gonna be horrible oh it's raining well guess what you've already spoken into existence your day i on the other hand choose to do it a little different before i put my feet on the floor and i have my conversation with god i open my eyes and i say yo it's gonna be a great day what you got what you got going and i'm good to go and that's how i spend my entire day looking for the good, seeing the good, finding the good. Because I could sit there all day and find shit going on. And <laughs> right, right. So I, I, I choose not to do that. And in the education field, they do it the exact same way now, which I think is great. You know, that's for their buildings to have a certain level of, of expectation. Yeah, there are a lot of them here in the district uh, that uh, start their day off with the drums, the African drums and the Nguzasave and things that will encourage these children to want to do and to be motivated uh, to be great for that day and for their life. So I think yes, it's a sir. wonderful thing. Yes, sir. Now, education is so very important. 
and uh, a lot of educators, uh, teachers, um, things have changed. Let's just say things have changed. Uh, and a lot of kids are coming to school, they're being diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, and, and they're on a lot of medications. What do you think can be done in some of the school systems to better assist the children who may have some of these issues, uh, you know, as far as the testing is concerned? A lot of school districts are strictly about testing and not really about what the vision and the dream is for the kid. They don't really ask the question about what is your dream? What is your vision for yourself? More so, let's study for this test. What are some of your thoughts about that and how we can help some of these kids? Well, for me, testing was not always the end on to me at all. I believe that there are some children that like myself, when I was in school, you, hell, I'll fire, I'll, I'll I'll fail a blood test just because of the word test. <laughs> so I, uh, I I didn't, that word always, you know, triggered something in me to just shut my brain down. I just didn't do well on testing. But okay. if you ask me those same questions, I could talk to you. I had a gift of gab. So yeah, I, I talked my way mm -hmm. uh, and I can answer all the questions. So I realized then that testing did not say that I didn't know it. It was just because something in me, for whatever reason, did not function well on on tests so i had one teacher who, who did something different and he sat me at his desk and he took the test and he read it to me and i answered the questions and he said so why do you know the answers and i said because it's it's a test and i'm just thinking I, i'm going to forget something so so for a lot of people it doesn't it doesn't say that they don't know it just means that they don't test well and some of these young people need more than just testing they need programming they need uh atmospheres of of learning where everybody doesn't grow and learn the same way so they have to learn how to communicate with the young people what is the best way that they learn what gives them the motivation and when you have people that are educators that know how to reach children you can find out those things and that's why some children are very successful with certain teachers because these teachers have learned how to educate and they are educating children and that makes a big difference yes yes now i will say this i am a product of the ss county school system and i'll just say that when I left Our Leader Help a Christian in the eighth grade, I was taking the test to get into Seton Hall Prep. And I actually failed that test to get into Seton Hall Prep, and that's why I wound up going to Irvington High School. Now, I have nothing bad to say about Irvington High School. It was probably more me than them. No one really taught me how to study. I will say that. It wasn't like I was really coming home and really getting into the books, so to speak. Um, but. All that said, I, I, I didn't test into Seton Hall Prep, went to Irvington High School, still had a lot of success there because of my mindset. I didn't want to be what people told me I was going to be. And a lot of that had to do with what you taught me and instilled in me. I was class president all four years, always involved in student government, always talking to the mayor, you know, trying to get uh, uh, school board meetings. I would try to get new computers and things for us at groundbreaking ceremonies. These are just some things that have happened uh, since, you know, I, I, I met you in the, in the seventh grade. I will say that when I went, pardon me, to Northeastern Christian Junior College, when I, when I graduated high school, I actually failed every interest exam that I took to every course. I failed every one of them. Now, again, it's probably more me than the school system and my study habit. But again, the classroom size between high school and college was High school was like 32, 35 to one. And in uh, college, it was six to one. So because of that individual time, 
I then got to really, really get to uh, uh, have better study habits, which allowed me to excel. So all that said, mindset, I think, is very, very important for a lot of our young people, for them to really, really go next level. And I only say that because I'm a witness to it. I believe that if you can change your mind and you can really, really focus to take yourself next level, you can really get to where you want to get in your life. So, Mr. Melvin, you're in the Washington, D.C. area now, and it is it is a lot of things going on. And, sir, I know that you are doing so. Can you tell us some things that you are doing now that you are, you know, uh, kind of retired, so to speak, but not really? So tell the good people <laughs> some of the things that you're doing right now. Well, I, I enjoy young people. So I, I do volunteer with uh, my church, uh, with the children's daycare. And uh, there are a couple of outside organizations that I uh, volunteer with when it comes to children for a reading uh, initiative program here in D.C. that my godson happens to be the director of. Uh, and uh, he also has a nonprofit for entrepreneurship. So I, when I am able, I work with him. And so I like volunteering still for children. Uh, I'm also in the process of um, writing a book, uh, which is called The Book of David. And uh, it's just my experience with God and how my relationship made such a tremendous change when I learned how to understand who I was and whose I was. <laughs> and all those years, it was it's still a lesson. So I, that that's what's going on with me. Right.